Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) On your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And here we go on this Friday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you today. And football is in the air, although the air doesn't feel like football. Football is in the air. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss all practicing today. You had the Hall of Fame game last night as well. whole lot to get to you today on that front. So we had... Ole Miss Media Day yesterday, and something that we missed. I mean, we were there. We didn't hear about this until later on. We had some jabs being traded between an Ole Miss player and a Memphis player. Not really. Not real jabs, but uh, little shots at each other going into the game. We'll talk about that. I've got the audio for you, and uh, we will discuss whether or not this is good for the game or should you keep your mouth shut, all of that good stuff. Uh, We've got practice observations from Rippey today. He was there uh, Mississippi State will not start Haydad until 6.15 tonight. That is correct. And uh, he will have coverage there from practice at Mississippi State. So here it is. Uh, football is here, and last night, I guess you can call that football? It's football. We can call it football. It's good. Was it good, though? The football in and of itself was not good. But it's good to have football. And so it was a Hall of Fame game. By the way, the Pearl River Resort pick of the day was a winner last night. If you bet on the Hall of Fame game, you are welcome. I picked Denver. It took a late, like weird, tipped touchdown to do it. Uh, but I did take Denver in that game, so you're welcome. They won 14-10 to last night. Drew Locke didn't play very much, and... Um, I think it was John Elway that said actually on the broadcast that uh, when he's not under pressure, he's going to be he's good already. Like he's a ready-made NFL quarterback. His problem is going to be under pressure. And they showed a couple of examples last night in the game where any kind of fre- pressure when he felt it that uh, off balance, uncomfortable, obvious that. Uh, he's got a little bit of a ways to go before he can really be the starter there in Denver. It sounds, all signs are pointing to Joe Flacco uh, being the guy there until Drew Locke can come along. And even though it was just his first preseason game, two weeks into camp, Elway was on the broadcast saying that he's got a long way to go still. I could be wrong about this. And Rippy, if, you're, if I am, please correct me because, uh, you know, I know you, you you would know this, but that seems like a problem. It seems like the ability to, or I'm sorry, the inability to throw and make plays while under pressure in the NFL seems like a little bit of a problem. If I'm wrong, you guys feel free to let me know. 
Well, when you're playing against Atlanta, it may not be that oh. bit of a problem. I, I mean, <laughs> they didn't. Based play. on what we've seen so far, Atlanta's the worst team in the league. Yeah, and pass rushing still an issue uh, for the Falcons. Uh, Kurt Benkert, with the exception of a couple of series, looked okay. I had to look him up because I wasn't familiar with that name. He played at Virginia uh, in college, and he was the guy for Atlanta last night. Matt Schaub played a little bit. Still in the league, Matt Schaub. Which Congrats. is just unbelievable. Did you see how much his career earnings is? What is it? $90 million. Matt Schaub is our $90 million. See, that, that just makes you mad almost. Anybody can be rich. That's a beautiful thing about this country. Oh, yeah. You can acquire wealth. You don't even have to have a skill. Look at the look at Kim Kardashian. What is her skill? Well, it's a family show. Uh, but what's her skill? She doesn't have a skill. She's rich. She was born rich. She's famous. Yeah. Matt Schaub technically has a skill, but in the same way like that I have a skill. I, I there was a time where people thought he was going to be a really good NFL quarterback, too. Who was it that gave him that big deal? Was it Houston? The Texans. The Texans, yeah. That that was uh that was insane. Um what they paid him after just a, a couple of uh, decent starts. But the the big thing Haydad, I think to me last night was not anything about the play on the field, but the enforcement of well the two things. The pass interference review and then I don't know if you saw this, there was a flag for a running back lowering his helmet and initiating yeah. contact last night. First time I've seen it. I love the rule. Rippy's been screaming about it, but that was the first time we saw it last night. I'm not a huge fan of that. You know, I, I, you know, I knew it was coming, but you know that you, you, I, I hate to be the old guy. You're taking away football, but you really are starting to take away football a little bit when you're telling me that the guy can't lower his head and, and, and plow through a tackler. Uh, I don't know, but – that said, like you mentioned, the first uh, pass interference uh, review, just, you know, what, seven months too late? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a new day for the NFL for sure. Uh, I liked it. I really did. Because it, it was so hypocritical to begin with when you had this idea that a running back at full speed can put his head down, but if a defender at all, even lowers his head. Even if he initiates contact with the shoulder, he gets a penalty. It was never fair. It was never right. didn't make any sense. And at least they finally rectified that. It took way too long, but they did it. Yeah. But, you know, we've been saying for what, forever that we, are we willing, we're willing to sacrifice time to be right, correct? Are we yeah. still believing that? And they did it really quickly last night. I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but when they did have uh, those... I think it was just one, if I remember correctly. I only saw one anyway. Uh, it went quick. It was obvious. The review lasted just 30 seconds or so, and it, that was it. Sound, sounds good to me. Sounds just fine. And, and was it was it Ty Law last night uh, that was asked about the, the no-call in the NFC Championship game? It, and it, The poor reporter, I think it was Michelle Tafoya, just, you know, how do you fix something like that? Well, throw the flag. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how you fix it. <laughs> that's the wrong guy to ask. Asking a, a former DB, he's gonna have something to say about that. Yeah, we'll just throw the flag. That's how you fix it. So coming up here on Sports Talk Mississippi today, practice did begin as I mentioned at the top 
We'll get Rippy's observations from Ole Miss. The A's have a new pitcher. It's a feel-good story. At least that's what people are saying. This, this kid hadn't pitched a game since high school. Six years removed from high school. Hasn't pitched a game. Was at a Rockies game. And he was messing around in one of those fan event things where sometimes they'll have radar guns. He crow-hopped and threw 96. Went viral on Twitter. Now he's a minor leaguer for the Oakland A's. Not even kidding. I'll give you the details coming up. We will play the audio for you for those jabs that were uh, exchanged between an Ole Miss player and a Memphis player about their game coming up. A lot of NFL stuff today. The final top 10 of the top 100 NFL players were released today and Drew Brees at number two. Makes sense, right? Had to be that way. We, 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 what did we say? We thought he'd be the second-rate quarterback. You were saying you'd put Mahomes ahead of him, but the NFL players disagree with you. Yes, they do. College football's most iconic symbols. Now that the season has started, great content from CBS got me thinking, and uh, we will, and we'll get these from you as well. Your most iconic symbol in college football, and he he brings up mascots, and I actually have an idea uh, on the mascot front that I think, at least in my own head is a really good idea, and uh, I'll pitch it to you, and you can tell me uh, what you think. Also, dumb criminal news, which is involving two superintendents from Texas, school superintendents, and a Whataburger. Real thing. Can't wait to tell you about that later on. I just fist-pumped, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing more Texas than a couple of El Paso superintendents going at it at a Whataburger. Yeah, that's right. I had never heard of that until I moved to Mississippi. It's never good. heard of it. It's good. There's one right down the street from the Super Talk Studios. I mean, we, we could walk there if we wanted to. Yeah. You need to walk there to burn off the calories of the average Whataburger. Oh, and they're making, uh, not there, but I think it's Bojangles maybe, making a uh, spicy chicken biscuit with with pimento cheese on it. I saw that it is Bojangles. I did see that, yeah. It's death in a wrapper. But that's a really good way to go out. It's how I want to go. I mean, we die happy, right? Yep. Sports Talk Mississippi. You can text the show if you'd like. 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. C Spire reminds you, though, to do so safely. Be a part of the show, but do so in a safe way. All guests appear via the Farm Bureau guest line. We are brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Again, I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. we got Brian Scott Rippey with us as well. Stick around. We'll get into some fall camp practice observations next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Little Buffett on this Friday. You know, just a few more weeks until we can get rid of this and go back to our fight songs. Got a whole new list of fight songs this year, by the way. Everybody in the SEC still, of course, but... Uh, adding a few more, more iconic ones like Michigan will have this year, Ohio State, Southern Cal. Really good list for uh, for Fight Song Friday. I think, what is it? Just four weeks away now until what, our first I'll, one. We'll fight, though, if uh, Jackson State's coming to America is gone. Oh, that, that's that, staying right here that, in this we, system, that could buddy. Just be the whole, that could just be the whole show. You don't need any other bumper music than that. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and now we have Brian Scott Rippey squared away. Am I right? Yeah, it should be good. Yes, there he is. So you were at practice today, Rippey, and uh, I'm going to ask you to give us 100 observations of what you saw in 30 minutes with guys that weren't even wearing pads. Does that sound good? Well, I wrote seven or eight. <laughs> that's, uh, that's close enough. So uh, so what what did you see? Uh, with the caveat being, and everybody listening knows that there's there's only so much that you can take away from no pads, uh, mostly doing stuff on air. But what did you see today? Um. Well, with that, I guess one of the main things was with Alex Givens out. Um, there was a bit of reshuffling on the offensive line. So I was kind of interested to find out kind of what, how they would manage that, I, I guess. And the way they, uh, the way they went about it today was they had Michael Howard playing right tackle and he was technically on, he is technically on the two deep listed as the backup left tackle with Hamilton Hall listed as the backup right tackle, but they went with him. Otherwise it was kind of the same first team. Um, and that's the guy, correct me if I'm wrong. He's the one that's had weight issues, but like the kind of weight issues that you want where you can't put any on instead of having too much. That's the uh, guy, right? Uh, yes, that is correct. At least at some point throughout his career, he is a senior. So that was who was at left tackle today. Um, really, other that than guy. that, just yeah. they had. <laughs> what is his secret? What? Talk to him. I need to talk to him. <laughs> I, I got. I got to get, get. I need to have a word with that guy. I'm coming to next media availability. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so um, they had that. And so you had a couple guys returning punts. I imagine that'll go mostly to Elijah Moore. But you had Jerry and Ely. Um, you had Jaden Jackson, and you also had Braylon Sanders returning punts. Really, other than that, it was just kind of a lot of drills. Um, it's like 85 degrees outside, so very much fall camp weather. Um, That's but, not yeah. bad, though. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. No, yeah, I mean, it could have been worse. The only two guys in non-contact jerseys were Luke Knox, who's dealing with a hamstring issue, and Montreal Custis, who's still recovering from a torn ACL. I believe he suffered against Alabama. Um, in September of last year, everyone else was pretty much full go. Jalen Jones was in full. Co- I mean, they're not making contact, but like he wasn't limited at all. Uh, did some different drills. Tyler Knight worked with running backs some, caught some passes out of the slot when they went some full, um, I guess 11 on air offensive type stuff. Um, but yeah, that was about, I mean, I think Grant Tisdale, I saw, saw it took a lot of the second team snaps. That didn't really mean a whole lot at this point. Again, it's the second day, but that was a couple of things. Okay, so let's go back to the offensive line uh, because that—I mean—that's going to be the X factor if we can call it that. I know that's very generic, but that'll be the difference between this team maybe making it back to a bowl game or uh, really falling apart is whether or not they can stay healthy on the offensive line. Uh, you mentioned back at media days that the, the two deep, as far as experience goes, is terrifying. Well, just physically. I know I'm asking a lot because again you didn't see them like do team or anything, but do they do they look the part at least in a two deep? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess if if, if looking the part, I mean, I I'm not exactly sure what to like make of that, but yeah, I mean, they they look like an SEC offensive line, I guess, if that's what you're asking. But again, you won't really know until you play a game. And then. On that note, do you think they're – I'm asking you to to speculate. Do you think they're preparing 
for that first game without Alex Givens? I think that's just how they're going to go about camper. They really anticipate four weeks after a back surgery to line up and play ball. Uh, I mean, it sounds like they're anticipating them having him back. Nick Broker took some snaps at tackle with the second team. Um, so, but I mean, it, it, it again with one day and about forty-five minutes worth of practice, I guess it'd be fairly difficult to try to figure out what exactly their plan is. But I, I mean, if, I, I would take them at face value if they saying if, you know, I don't think they'd have the surgery if they knew it was going to be pretty tight. So I, I would imagine they would anticipate having me back. But I, again, I don't think you could tell much about a long-term strategy there from today. So you can't lay out a, a full-on depth chart all 22 for me right now? I mean, they have one out that they released two weeks ago. I'm sure that's set in stone. Rippy, is, is there sort of like a small blessing in disguise here? If, if you, you think he's going to be back for the first game, if you're confident in that and if you're the Ole Miss coaches, to get these guys that you've been talking about that don't have a ton of experience, they're getting a lot of reps, they're going to get a lot of reps in practice this way. Is there, is there sort of a, a silver lining to that? I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that helps, but I, I mean, at the same time, it's a new scheme and Alex Givens doesn't necessarily have a ton of experience in the scheme, but as That's far true. as getting other guys snaps, that would, I mean, it would certainly help because, you know, the best way to kind of learn and get experience is through trial and error. So certainly them getting, you know, the snaps being able to be I guess divvied out to other guys is certainly helpful, but at the same time, you know, one of your senior offensive linemen is learning another system and is not being able to, not able to be on the field for it. Anything else you take away, or is that about it? Um, no, that 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 was really about it. We saw about forty-five minutes of practice, and that was. Um, I mean, Scotty Phillips looks a little heavier. Um, they're pretty deep at the running back position, and all four guys have similar body types. At least Ely is maybe a little bit different than the other three, but other than that, yeah, that's that's really about about it. Did you watch any of the Hall of Fame game last night? Um. Yeah, I watched a decent bit of it. I was doing some writing and doing some other stuff, so I had it on in the background. So I watched it, I guess, halfway attentively. Uh, hey, Dad and I were talking about it at the top. But the, something that you uh, you didn't get upset about it, but something that you were you're passionate about a few days ago with uh, how a running back can lower their head and get away with that kind of contact, but a defender cannot. Well, that was flagged last night. Did you notice that? Uh, no, I did not. What happened? Uh, a running back, I forget who it was. It doesn't matter. He's not going to be on the team in a few weeks anyway. Um, that's just how it is in, in a game sure. like that. Uh, running back lowered his head and initiated contact, and he got the 15-yard personal foul penalty. I guess that seems fitting, more like punishment fitting the crime. And we get a text from the 601. Ezekiel Elliott got fined 25 k last year for doing that. It was against either the Saints or the Eagles. I don't I don't particularly remember that, but uh, the, the broadcast crew was talking about that in particular, and they had one of those rules experts in, and and he said that that's going to be a point of emphasis is if the running back or, or a ball carrier in general in open space uh, puts their head down to initiate contact, it's a penalty on, on the offensive player. That's something that ha- has been, I said it at the top, hypocritical in football really is – uh, running backs, ball carriers can do that. No big deal. Defenders get penalties. Not the case in the league anymore. Uh, I mean, I guess you want the guys to be able to protect themselves, but I'm perfectly fine with that rule. And I, I just remember you saying something about it the other day, and uh, now we get to see it. that solution that you offered in action. Yeah, it definitely seems more fair if the running back, I guess, or whoever the ball carrier is, moves where the intended strike zone is, it's it's kind of out of the defender's control. So definitely a, a, a rule that appears more fair. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, you can be a part of the show this afternoon. You can text the show, 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line, or tweet at us at Sports Talk Miss. Uh, Quinn is loving his LSU Tigers, by the way. Sends us an article uh, about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's trying to do this uh, cool guy, swagger, chip-on-the-shoulder type thing, and it seems kind of forced. You know, Joe Burrow, as, as, as Rippy will tell you, the best quarterback in college football. Uh, Bar none. He, 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 he can do no wrong. I hope his mantle's clear. This picture, he looks like Iceman. Oh, man. He looks like Iceman from Top Gun. I just got that. <laughs> it took a second, yeah. <laughs> Watch. Yeah, I mean, over under 3,000 yards passing, Joe Burrow. Over shattered. No, seriously though, over under three thousand. I think oh, I I think over. I kind of buy into they're at least going to try to throw it more, and he's more competent than some guys they've had in the past. In all seriousness, he's good. I think he's good, better than he gets credit for. So I'll go over if they're actually going to try to air it out. I'm going to say over, but I, I don't know that the completion percentage will be what you want. They're winning eleven games, by the way. They're winning at least ten. Now, see, this is like a reverse jinx because last year, with the exception of Rippy, all of us hated the prospects of LSU and how good they could have been last year. Now we've completely turned the tide, and they're going to go out and lose four games. That's just how it works. Even though I'm one for one. Sorry, Quinn. Yeah, sorry about that. We just ruined your chances. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. of text here on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 on this um, new point of emphasis that they're going to be calling if if a ball carrier lowers their head to initiate contact michael in poplarville says the nfl should start playing flag football what the heck i'm usually on that boat with you like the blindside block in college football i think that rule is a joke I, i think if your opponent cannot see you, that's their fault. And if you put your shoulder in their chest and they can't see you, that's a them problem. That shouldn't be a penalty. That's part of the game. Football is inherently violent. In this case, though, I think it's a little bit different because the rule benefited, exclusively benefited the offensive player, that they could do something that would give them an edge that would penalize a defense. It just it didn't make any sense to have it be a penalty for one and not the other. And this is only, this is an incidental contact. This is when a running back, and last night it was called pretty well. The running back I mean, had established his height, his body position, and his head just went straight down to initiate contact with his defender. It wasn't uh, like he was covering the ball in protection. No, he used his head to force violence on his defender. The defender can't do that to him. So I'm okay with th- that penalty being that way. And I'm on your side usually with football and the way it's going and certain penalties and certain rules like the elimination of the crackback block and it's a violent game, you got to get over it. In this case, though, I- I'm okay with it. Because if the defender can't do that, 
A ball carrier shouldn't be able to do that either. You just, player safety is an issue with that. You put your defenders in a bad place, and it gives a massive advantage to a ball carrier to be able to do that, and they've eliminated that. I'm okay with it. Again, I'm, I'm... I'm just the old man in the room, I guess. I, I don't like it. I don't. I mean, and I, I get that it only benefits the offensive player, but, man, the offensive player is sort of the one that needs the benefit, aren't they? They're, they're the ones who are trying to be tackled. That, that that's They're the ones that, you know, the skill position guys are the ones who they, they, they need protecting, I guess. And, if you know, this is a little self-protection, a little self-defense, but I, I just don't see this as a huge problem for me. I agree with it. The rule makes sense. Like the 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 target for hitting players now is so small. If you allow the offensive player to move it with the defensive player being penalized, it really just becomes an impossible task. Yeah, and that that's the important distinction. It's if a ball carrier establishes their body position and doesn't move it and contact is made, then they're not going to call the penalty. It's when, like in last night, the running back had a body position and then dropped his head to use his head to initiate contact. That That's the distinction. And we get another text uh, from the 601 uh, asking, uh, if a quarterback is about to get sacked, the defender has his helmet down, then the quarterback lowers his helmet and leans forward, causing the helmet-to-helmet contact, who gets the call? Um, it would be, in your scenario, if the defender is also wrong, it would be the defender's fault. The the incidental stuff is not going to be flagged, so don't worry about that. At least the way they described it last night. Helmets collide in football all the time. As long as you're not using the crown of your helmet to initiate contact, you're okay. If your helmet hits your opponent's helmet, incidentally, that's what happens. If a receiver, a ball carrier, establishes their body position, a defender sizes them up, initiates a tackle, and the offensive player changes their body position, causing helmet-to-helmet hit, it's not a penalty. Or at least the way they described it last night. So it's very specific cases when you are using the top of your head to initiate the contact instead of your shoulder or, or, or a different part of your body. And it was only called once last night, and it didn't appear egregious to me. It's one of those things. I didn't see the penalty, so I'm going to have to – I guess I need to see it in practice and before I can – because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making a decision here with incomplete information. Just on the surface to me, I don't like it, but let me watch a couple of games and see how it goes, and then we'll, we'll sort of take it from there, I guess. Louis in the 662 says, what – Fool is going to remain upright and take a blow to his body. It, it, you can still protect yourself, right? But I guess that's getting lost here. Maybe I'm not explaining it well enough. You can still protect yourself. You just can't initiate. You you can't change your body position and initiate contact with the top of your head. You you cannot, as a tackler, use your shoulder, get in good tackling position, and make a good form tackle without your head being ahead of your shoulders. Like, anatomically, if you're square up on a guy, that that can't happen. Like, you cannot magically put your head behind your shoulders on your body. So it's not like they're going to call any time your head is ahead of your shoulders. It's not possible for that not to be the case. 
But if you are using your shoulders and your head makes contact, that's okay. It's when you initiate... I must not be explaining this very well. But it, it is not as egregious as, as some of you guys texting in uh, uh, seem to think it is. I promise. It is just in the rare case when the ball carrier attacks with the top of his head. Protection is not a penalty if you establish that you're protecting yourself without initiating that contact, protecting yourself. That's the the difference here. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see where it takes us. I'm sure knowing the NFL will all agree and it'll be great for the game, and everybody will agree with this, with, with, with whatever happens. Yeah, something like that. 601 asks us, uh, ask Deuce what he thinks about the rule change. We will. We'll do that. That's a good question, yeah. Um, Ryan in the Delta. Seven-on-seven seven camps are a lot cheaper to attend and a lot cheaper to watch. <laughs> Joey Madison, head down is for protection. We will start seeing running backs getting their blocks knocked off because they keep their chin up trying to avoid a penalty. You can protect yourself. That's not that's not the issue here. The penalty last night, the offensive player it was they were running towards out of bounds as well. And he changed his body position everything. He basically attacked the defender with the top of his head. Protection is not a penalty. All night last night running backs were still running the way that they do. It's when you attack your opponent with your head is is where this is coming from. Am I making any sense, Rippy? I, I feel like I'm talking in circles here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I think it's a good rule. Like, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear cut. I, I understand, even though I, I'm I'm, a, I'm disagreeing with it with terms of what I like. I, I, I see what you're saying, at least. Brian Burnsville says, it's come to a point that football is becoming boring with all the penalties. I mean, why are they wearing protective equipment if they can't use it? It's protective equipment, not a weapon. I love the game, and I've watched it all my life, but it's getting ridiculous to me. It won't be long before we will be watching flag football in the NFL. Um, no, helmets are not they are not weapons. They're for protection. They are not to be used uh, in that way. Because if that was the case, they they would look a little differently, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, there'd be spikes. Get that Ray Lewis Bane helmet that he was wearing a few years ago. Preston and Fulton's on on Team Borky here. He says you're doing fine telling what it means. You can't purposely hit them with your helmet. I don't know why folks can't get that. No, I get it. Yeah, I get that. I'm just saying I don't know if I agree with it, and I don't know if that makes me a bad person or not. Robert Notegrove is a little cynical, but I, I certainly understand where this is coming from. He says he doesn't trust the refs to call this penalty right. That's another problem, yeah. We, 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 we are putting our, our game into the hands of the officials, who we have, we have visible, tangible evidence aren't good. Jerry and Tupelo says, in other words, the days of Earl Campbell or Herschel Walker destroying defensive backs are over. Not if you use your shoulder. Just use your shoulder. Don't use the top of your head. Use your shoulder. You can still run over as many defensive backs as you want to as long as it's not the top of your head doing it. From the 205, that used to be called spearing. Yep. Yes, it it did. 
chain oh, like I, Walter I Payton did back in the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you pull up those highlight tapes, and, and that's what they did, but you got to adjust. But, I mean, you can pull up highlight tapes and see Jack Tatum, you know, going in headfirst on a ton of guys. I mean, that that, that has changed. So. From, from the 601, making a joke. It's all because of participation trophies. Jeff and Carrollton. What difference does it make? They're not going to call it consistently anyway. That's true. Yeah, a lot of uh, anti-officials or anti-official people listening to the show this afternoon. We're really glad you're a part. And uh, if you disagree with me, let me know. 601-879-4395. Would love to hear from you this afternoon. We're debating football, which means it's a good day. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Back in on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon. I'm Michael Borky. Got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you as well. It's a polarizing topic. A lot of you texting in this afternoon. And, of course, we are glad you're with us. And you can be like a lot of people so far today and text in the show and be a part of the conversation. 601-879-4395 is how you can do it on the C Spire text line. I was asked this the other day, by the way, in an email. Uh, No, we do not charge you. Uh, to text the show. I got an email from a listener. I, I promise you guys, this is the funniest thing. He said, man, I really want to text the show, but I'm a, I'm afraid I'm going to run up my phone bill. No, we don't charge you to text into the show. I uh, I promise. Free to do it as much as you want to. Uh, just ask Richard and Wiggins. If they haven't charged him by now, then they're not charging anybody. <laughs> uh, and we love him for it. Sam and Starkville, go ahead. And if you've got one of those, uh, you know, fly-by-night text plans that is charging by text, you need to go check out our friends over at Ceasefire, and they'll hook you up with a much better deal. That's a good. Might point. be better off of the landline at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Call a friend who has Ceasefire, and they'll text their whatever you want them to say. Sam in Starkville says this would change or will change stiff arm usage. That's a really good point. The art of the stiff arm might be coming back to the NFL. Now that I would be down with. Nothing beats a good stiff arm, man. The, when you see a guy just get cold-cocked, basically, by the running back, I'm a fan. Another text in from Starkville. Alex, this time, is asking, who will lead the league in this penalty? Ooh. Baltimore. <laughs> Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, and they're never going to throw the football? <laughs> that's true. That's a, good, that's a good call. That's a good call. I know who won't lead it, the Jets, because Le'Veon Bell is the most upright runner I've ever seen, even more than Eric Dickerson was back in the day. Donald in Oxford says he keeps having this dream that he gets frozen, and they bring him back 200 years later, and he asks how many national championships Mississippi State has won, and they look at him funny and say, we don't play football anymore. It was too violent. Oh. And Greg, Greg says it's hard to lower your shoulder without your head going down. Defensive backs need to have eyes in the back. That's what I was saying earlier. Anatomically, it's not possible to tackle with your shoulder without your head also being in the area. It's just you can't move your head. You've got some limitations with your neck. It only moves so much. They're not legislating any kind of contact that involves your head out of the game. But if your shoulder's down and your face mask can see your target, you will never get penalized. If your head's up, if you can see your target, you're good. That, that's how football is. That's how it should have always been taught. That's how I was taught growing up. It didn't work because I ended up breaking my neck in a football game because I dropped my head. Karma Dumb. was instant for me. You can still tackle 
form tackle the right way and see your opponent. Coaches, we have coaches that listen to this show. They will tell you, you can't tackle what you can't see. Head up, always. You can tackle your opponent. You can be the lowest guy, use your shoulder, and still have your eyes on your opponent. If you do that, a good, taught at every level form tackle, you will never get penalized, even if your helmet's what hits the defender first. If you can see him, you're all good. It's the top of the helmet that they're talking about. That's the whole thing that they're legislating out of this, is the top of the helmet, the spearing. That's what they're getting rid of. If you can see your opponent, you're all good. That's how everybody's taught at every level. That's how I was taught. It didn't take because, like I just said, what happened to me. If you can do that, you're all good. That's not going to change, fundamentally change football at all. That's We're not going to have so many flags that it's not enjoyable anymore. It, it's just that. Teams will make a quick adjustment. It's all good. It will not fundamentally change the way the game is played. In, in this case, this instant, this penalty will not change football. I promise it won't do it. That's what they said back when you could still club a guy with a baseball bat on the football field. And now look at this sport. It's for women, I tell you. Quinn makes a good point. And Quinn played college football uh, back in the day, as people like to say. He said he used to be against a lot, a lot of the changes they were making in football, but then he started watching games from the 80s. And he says, dude, we were just desensitized to it. I mean, horse collars used to be a thing. You used to be able to gra- grab the guy by the back of his shoulder pads and just yank him wherever That's you wanted to. That's not even an to. 80s thing. That was five years ago. You could ago. go early, mid-2000s. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jerry in Brookhaven says, Clowney's famous tackle would be a penalty today. Nope, his face was up. It's all that matters. It probably would have been thrown, though, by the sheer violence of it and then pulled, like, uh, waved off. Yeah. That was the most violent hit I've ever seen. It was fantastic, though. It was art. Shane says, but why is that not hands to the face? Talking about stiff arms. They'll call that sometimes if they see it in real time. They really will. We get a text from the 662. Watch Ray Lewis tackle. Was the best at form tackles. Watch Luke Keekley. If you've never watched, if you're not a big NFL fan, you're a college football fan, and we'll get into some college football uh, after the break. You want to watch somebody that plays the game the right way? Watch Luke Keekley. He's the best linebacker in the NFL. Fundamentally perfect the way he plays. Watch him. If you're a Saints fan, you get to see him twice this year, unfortunately. Eh. That guy, talking about playing the sport the right way, that dude does it. We'll turn the page to college football next at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Hour number two on this Friday afternoon in Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. One more thing before we turn the page over to college football. Some dueling quotes in the media yesterday from an Ole Miss player and a Memphis player. Real quick, though. Yesterday's Hall of Fame game, two teams, Denver and Atlanta, weren't playing their starting quarterbacks naturally, but didn't really have any kind of draw. They were just kind of there. Lowest Hall of Fame game number in a long time. But still, the NFL is king, man. 
5.3 million people watched the Hall of Fame game last night on NBC. That's down over a million from last year, Bears-Ravens, that did a 6.8. People wanted to see Lamar Jackson. So there was no draw. Still over 5 million people watched a preseason game last night. You said it. NFL's king, and that's just the way that that is. There's all, they're always going to have numbers like this. There's no, there's no stopping them. That's why whenever you hear about we're going to boycott the NFL, no, you're not. I mean, you might, but the NFL is never going to go away, never under any circumstances. So That is – that number is like a great college football game. 5.3 million people. Like like a that's a, that's a high number for for a college football game, and that's just a preseason game. But speaking of college football, I teased it just a second ago. You had media day in Oxford and in Memphis, and all eyes are on that opening game. You have TV people that want to hype it up as a rivalry, and maybe they're getting somewhere because you had dueling quotes yesterday. One in Oxford, one in Memphis. Tell me what you guys, and then you listening as well, what you think about what these two guys said about each other's school. Not each other the player, but uh, first I'll give you Jalen Jones, and this is what he said yesterday in Oxford at Ole Miss Media Day. I kind of get that they're like the little brothers to us and whatever, and they got some type of um, anger towards us, and it's just a little a little rivalry. I don't, I really wouldn't call it that, but honestly, for me, I'm just taking it as a normal game, but uh, I understand they're going to come, and we're going to come too. It's the first game, so I know they feel like they don't get the respect because they're not in the SEC or whatever. So, I mean, I know they're going to come hard, try to prove something, and they're going to have to show us. First, thoughts on that quote real quick. Um, I mean, probably mostly true. Memphis probably does have a bit of a chip on its shoulder because of, you know, the whole SEC versus, you know, non-SEC or, um, I guess, group of five. But, you know, they got a good football team. They're favored to win the game in Vegas. It's a big game. I don't think they're – I think this is all just generated. Like, I don't think there's really any real animosity here. I mean, Jalen Jones is from Allen, Texas. I think he's played Memphis once in his career. Like, I, I – I, I don't put much into it. And both of these things can be true. So so I'll play the other clip for you in a second, and we'll debate over this. But I already saw, and they're doing it in Memphis today because that's what they have to do, people screaming about bulletin board material. Both of these things can be true. Memphis can beat Ole Miss this year. Vegas thinks that they will. There's no doubt about it. Memphis can beat Ole Miss this year. But... It's not a rivalry. What Jalen Jones said is probably true. Ole Miss is 7-1 and one in the last eight against Memphis. It's an SEC team. It's an AAC team. Both of those things can be true at the same time, but God forbid you tell anybody from Memphis that. It almost sounds like he's, he's trying to give a compliment. Like, I know that's going to be a tough game. I know they're going to play very hard against us. But he he's, he it sort of you know pulls the Michael Scott and he just loses his path along the way there, and it ends up being a little bit of smack talk. So here's the other one. This is uh, I'm going to butcher this name. I, I'm sorry about this. Coyote Oladley. Oh, oh, oh you said it. that's right. That's exactly right. Coyote Oladley. Yeah, no, I he have was. No idea. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know if that's really his name. <laughs> he enrolled in Auburn. Or enrolled at Auburn. Redshirted. Transferred to Memphis. 
And here's what he said at Memphis Media Day yesterday. He's a little bit uh, a little bit more... And by the way, he has an accent, so it's going to be a little bit difficult to hear. I think he's from Nigeria, Rippy, if, if you're familiar with him. Um, so, he, so he's got an accent, but um, he took a real shot at Ole Miss, and here's what he had to say. Um, it's really a point of game for me because I was recruited by Ole Miss, and um, so I'm really, really to put my feet on their face when we play them. Why do you want to do that? Uh, because I want to make the coach that was recruiting me remember my name again. Mm-hmm. What will it take to get him to remember you? Uh, make plays, tackle his quarterback, and, you know, stop them. Said he wants to stomp his feet on their face. How about that quote? That guy needs to transfer to Mississippi State immediately. He'd fit right in. What do you think, Rick? Gosh, that is a hell of a quote. Um. Yeah, I mean, good for him if that's kind of, I guess, what motivates the guy or whatever whatever experience he had in the recruiting process. It sounds like it did not go well for Ole Miss or whatever coach was assigned to recruiting him. So if that kind of what motivates him, good for him. Uh, putting feet on people's faces seems kind of ill-advised. I, I don't imagine there's many scenarios you could do that in which it would be legal. Um, there's not a scenario where that wouldn't be weird. Um, but I mean, look, whatever, like if that motivates them and gets him personally like amped up for the game, good for him. I'm in a, a group text and one of the people sent that video. That's how I learned of it today. And he said, man, Ole Miss has locker room or bulletin board material now. And I... Uh, maybe that you know. If I maybe they hang it up in their lockers the... and stuff. But bulletin board material's not real, or at least it shouldn't be. If you need a Memphis, if you're an Ole Miss player right now, and you need a Memphis player to say he wants to stomp on your faces to make you play hard in your season opener and wish you're an underdog, then that's a you problem, and that's not real. They don't need. It's not extra motivation. What these two guys said about the other will change 0% of how that game goes. Nothing. It won't change a thing. Baltimore material is is not real. You may hang it in your locker. It may be a thing. It's not going to affect the play on the field whatsoever. I mean, was it the quote, I want to put my feet on their face? Like, if I rode by my locker and that was pasted on there, I'd probably be creeped out more than anything. <laughs> Rex Ryan would be all over it, though. But, I mean, yeah, this is just TV people trying to get some kind of hit before the the season because, it, you know, it is August 2nd. I mean, it is what it is. All, yeah. all fun. We're talking about it, so mission accomplished. Well, and this what's funny about this guy, though, and I'm parsing the words of a, a college kid, which isn't fair, but um, he had the opportunity to go to Ole Miss. It's not like he went to Memphis because they didn't recruit him. They did. He chose Auburn. So that doesn't – I mean, why would you hold animosity towards a school that you chose not to go to when you had the opportunity to do so? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. It's football, man. Yeah. Game's a month away. I love this, though. I, I mean, uh, when I saw both of these, I, I, talk. Talk. Have swagger. I love what Jalen Jones said. Yeah, they're they're going to be motivated. They're, they're a little brother. It's not really a rivalry. I don't think of it that way. It's just another game for me. It's important to them, so I like that. I'm going to stomp on their faces. Give me more of that. And I hope that 
these two programs don't shut these guys down for saying stuff like that. In some places, maybe they would. But college football, to me, needs stuff like this. The media is so stuffy, though, that they can't get away with it. Remember Bo Wallace? I don't remember what year it was, Rippy, but before they played Alabama, somebody asked him if he thought he could, they could win. He said, yeah, I think so. And it had a, a longer quote about how he thinks that they belong on the field, and yes, they can beat Alabama. You remember what the media did that week to Bo Wallace when he said that? They crucified him. Like, how dare you say that about mighty Alabama? What else do you want a college kid to say? No, I'm going to go into this game expecting to lose. What do you want Jalen Jones to say? No, Memphis is better than Ole Miss. They're better than us. There's a reason they're the Vegas favorite. They're going to smoke us here in a couple or in a few weeks. No. Give me more of this. Give me some fight, some swagger, some you-know-what talking. This makes this game more fun and interesting because four weeks out, we have two guys trading jabs in the media, talking about little brother, talking about stomping on faces. This is football. This is fun. And we need more of it. We At least I think so. We can't be the guy saying we want more brawls in baseball and not be the guy saying we want more smack talk in football. I mean, we have to we have to be stay on brand, right? It's very on brand. Keep talking smack. Give me one of these quotes every day. I'll play it on the radio and hype this game up every single day until August 31st if you keep giving me swag like that. Love this kind of stuff. Keep talking, boys. You're, you're playing college football. You expect to win? You're going to stomp on some faces. Let us know about it. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. You guys remember this, the name Steven Jackson? He used to be a running back for the uh, the Rams. Yeah, the really good Rams running back was honored recently. This is something that's really common in sports. Guy has a long career somewhere, maybe at the back end of his career, goes and plays for a couple of other teams, decides to retire. The team where he had his most success invites him on a one-day contract so he can retire with that original franchise. Steven Jackson was invited uh, to to have that honor with the Rams. Signed a one-day contract to retire a St. Louis slash Los Angeles Ram. Steven Jackson also received an invitation from the NFL to submit a random, air quotes, drug test. Any player that has signed a one-day contract with the NFL gets sent a drug test notice. Steven Jackson said no, by the way. He's not submitting the test. The NFL tried to drug test Steven Jackson for signing a one-day... This is a real thing, real story... And he's not the first one that has received this notice. Signing a one-day contract to retire a Ram, the NFL sent him a random drug test notice. Well, that is something. The NFL knows no bounds, man. It it just does what it wants. It, it it, It just makes the rules as it goes along. The NFL, in a statement, said, quote... As you know, this is done by an independent administrator for all players who sign and have not had an annual test completed. That was their statement in, re- in response to this. Right. 
<sighs> it, just, it just never ends with them, man. It just never ends. Uh, I'm really glad he said no. Just no. I'm not. Are you? What is wrong with you people? A lot. A lot is wrong with them, yeah. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Alex and Starkville, by the way, talking about feet and faces, said, I'm pretty sure there's a group on the internet that enjoys feet in their face. Thank you, Alex, for that. Yeah. Glad you're uh, yeah. glad you're listening today. There's probably a Reddit for that. Uh, Mickey clarifies what Bo Wallace said. I, Rippy, do you remember this? I I, I was here uh, working for Super Talk, not uh, on this show, though, at the time, and Bo Wallace, as Mickey clears up. He said he thought that they could score on anybody. That was his quote. Uh, Monday, press opportunity. And, and for the next four days, it was on Feinbaum. It was on the SEC Network. It, and AL.com and, and the media over there just crucified Bo Wallace because how dare he say that he thinks that they can score on anybody. Doesn't he know who he's playing this week? It's the most. That was the most... I guess that opened my eyes to just how ridiculous most sports media really is. That that actually bothered people to where they wrote think pieces and columns about how Bo Wallace is just ridiculous for thinking as the quarterback of a team going into a game that they're going to be able to score in that game. Like, how dare he have confidence in his own abilities? It's probably more so just a product of running running out of stuff to talk about. Because at that time, in particular, when you're as dominant as Alabama is, it probably comes pretty mundane and pretty boring and so when you see another team or see another player on another team I guess just kind of talk about how they're not really intimidated by them and they can think they can score on a defense that at the time I'm going to guess was ranked up near the top if not at the top of college football makes for a pretty easy low-hanging fruit type headline but sure, I mean I just can't believe that's the case and I'm sure Alabama fans just bought ate that up hook line and sinker I'm sure they loved it and just Oh, yeah, I'm glad you wrote the column just attacking this quarterback for thinking that he can play football. I just, I, I can't believe that. I, I'm reminded of that. Thank you, Mickey, for, for bringing that up. For some reason, confidence going into a sporting event is a bad thing. And it just blows my mind. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield kind of gets the same treatment. He brings it on himself sometimes, too. But, I mean, the, the things that. Well, Colin Cowherd, for example, really attacked him. But the things that some people said about Baker Mayfield for, yeah, I think I can come in in the NFL, and, and I think we can win games in Cleveland as a rookie. Oh, how dare Baker Mayfield? He, he's never even taken a snap in the league. What's he supposed to say? You know what, guys? I don't think I'm very good. I hate that I got drafted. Yeah, I, I should have. I, I was hoping to get, sit this one out. What are they doing here? That's what I was trying to get Matt Luke to do yesterday was to get to get him to be uh, self-deprecating yeah i was like look man just walk into the big room at sec media days next year and be like actually we got weaker this offseason and we're gonna suck we get a text from the 662 that says borky you're making me want a self-deprecating football team now that would be so funny though if yeah, just all day yesterday we'd have gotten well you know i didn't really have that good of an offseason i play a lot of Fortnite. i don't know ate a lot of food had some beer Broke up with my girlfriend. I, you know, I didn't really care that much about football. Coach, what was your offseason strength and conditioning program like? Not good. Not good Everybody's at all. Lazy, lazy guys out there, man. Just eating fast food. Couldn't get them in the weight room. 
what's your new scheme like? What scheme? I, I don't have a scheme. <laughs> we're we're going to call plays. Hey, coach, have you, have you watched film on Memphis yet? No. I'll call plays when we get there, man. I'll just no, feel it out. I, I simmed a NCAA 14 with the updated rosters, and we won by, like, three touchdowns. So we're good. We're golden. I've been binge-watching Mad Men with my wife. <laughs> You've seen go- this Game of Thrones thing? Have you seen it? <laughs> That's crazy. We're going to go triple option because I am real bored. Ugh. These these are these would be great quotes. This well, you know, you know what we need. We need Mike Leach to do this. You know he would too if you put him yeah. up to it. Oh yeah, if you could get yeah, if you get hold of him ahead of time, like, yeah, sure, why not? Before the season begins, uh, I've already started saving some of the videos. I I had a listener ask for this a couple of years ago. Uh, they wanted I forget exactly what he wanted. It was something involving Mike Leach every Wednesday. I forget what he called it, but it was like Mike Leach Wednesday. We're not going to do that because we have. A few teams to cover within our own state, but I promise you, before the season begins, I will dub together his best press conferences from talking about how aliens are real, um, wedding advice to one of the media guys that was about to get married, where he said, uh, "Don't have a wedding and just go elope because you're going to hate your mother-in-law anyway." I, I mean, just all of that stuff. I'll put it together. I promise. I've started working on that. Uh, he is perfect, and I wish he was uh, in the SEC. Uh, Mickey chimes in again and says, agreed, give me the guy with all of the confidence in the world. I just, I, I see that sometimes. And maybe it's, part of it is media people that have never been in that position, and I'm one of those people. I never played college football. But if you're about to go into something like that, and you don't think that, in Bo Wallace's case, you don't think that you're going to be able to score points, you've already lost. You've already lost. So don't even bother showing up. Give me the guy with some swagger that thinks that he can win every game he plays and then plays that way and thinks that way. I want that mentality on my team. The fact that we vilify or sensationalize just basic or what should be basic quotes and statements and feelings from players, I guess it's what we have to do now, now that newspapers are gone by the wayside. Need to get clicks somehow. Well, that and it's easier to react to instantly rather than like opening up the paper the next day. Doesn't really have the same like punch, I guess. Yeah. Ryan in the Delta says, "Give me the closer mentality. I want that guy to come in the game that knows he's going to shut everybody down. Losing isn't even an option. Isn't even a thought. Coffee is for closers. You can't have coffee if you're not a closer. Always be." Closing. Always be closing. Yes. Is that really that good of a movie scene, though? Are we going to fight right here on the air? That's a fantastic movie scene. He's gotten fat since then, huh? Well, he has, but that that scene <laughs> is just glorious. He can't was wearing like a size twenty eight back in the day. Yeah, we can't repeat most of it on the air, but that is yeah, that's one of the best movie scenes you'll ever see. By the way, this list came out. I wanted to bring it on the show today because why not? It seems like most of you enjoy when we bring you this off-topic stuff. The most popular sandwiches in America. Okay. We'll do it after the break. I'm going to tease this. The most popular sandwiches in America. A survey was done. French dip appears on the list. 
seems like an oxymoron. But I'll give you the most popular sandwiches in America coming up. We are also going to look at the NFL Top 100, your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. And be thinking about this as we're going to ask for your submissions later on in the show. The most iconic symbols in college football. The most iconic symbols of college football. would love to hear what you think they are. We'll get into that later on in the show as well. Still a lot to go. Only halfway through on this Friday afternoon at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Bouncing around a little bit on this Friday afternoon. Some NFL, some college football, back to the NFL. Rule changes. A whole lot to get to today as well. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can. 601-879-4395. That is the C Spire text line. Got a great question from Lee Enforce, but before uh, we get to that, I do want to tell you this list. So, Rippy, if you had to guess the most popular sandwich in the United States of America, what would it be? Peanut butter and jelly? The grilled cheese. Grilled cheese is number one. Grilled chicken. I'm not kidding. This is the dumbest list ever. Grilled cheese got 79% of the responses. Grilled chicken, 75% of the responses. Turkey. Is number three, roast beef four, ham five, BLT six, club seven, bacon sandwich, apparently is a thing, before PB&J at seven. Speaking of bacon sandwiches, by the way, I uh, my wife and I were in New Orleans, and we went to, uh, what is it, Parkway Tavern uh, in Mid-City. Uh, I think that's a, like where the po' boy started, or that's what they claim anyway. And my wife wanted to get a BLT, and I guess she wasn't thinking, and the, the cashier said, do you want that dressed? And my wife just said no. She didn't know what that meant. They literally gave her a piece of French bread with a few strips of bacon on it, and that is it. Because dress means lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise. So when she said no, they literally gave her just a bacon sandwich. Seems misleading. Yeah, we waited in line for an hour to get that. But uh, anyway, so yeah, grilled cheese is the most popular sandwich in America. For whatever that's worth to you. But Lee Enforce, you had a great question. He said at the beginning of the show, we were talking about Matt Schaub having a limited ceiling, but making a ton of money. In the NFL, now that the conversation is about how important confidence is in a game and before a game, in our opinion, he asks, in an athlete's game, is it more important to have skill or confidence when performing in a game? Rippy, what do you think? More important to have skill or confidence? What, what's more important to be the best at? The, the most skilled or the most confident? Like you, It's not a one or the other. The confidence... The, because, like, I could be the most confident guy in the world, but I still can't play quarterback. So it's like, what would you rather your guy be elite at? Have highest level confidence or highest level skill, but lacking in confidence? I'm going to go skill. Because if you're the highest level of skill, it's probably pretty hard to lack confidence. Yeah, you'd be surprised, though. I mean, we can take it a step further and just talk about being in your own head. Uh, this Lamar Jackson thing, if you guys listen to this show every day, you know how interested I am 
and uh, and how the Ravens are going to conduct offense this year because they're really not going to throw the football that much. And part of the reason for that is because they really can't because they have a quarterback that can't do it. They're reinventing the way uh, that they're going to run an NFL offense, or at least that's what they claim. We'll see how long it lasts. But the quarterback position in the NFL is not broken. Tom Brady is not a. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's a bad athlete. He's not an elite athlete. He can't run. He's a statue. Doesn't have any agility. He doesn't have supreme arm strength either. There have been guys that have come every single year in his two decade long career that have had stronger arms than him, but yet Tom Brady is always at the top. In his position, it's all about accuracy would be the most important thing, but what's going on in your head? Look at Drew Brees as another example. He's accurate. Most accurate quarterback in NFL history, at least according to the numbers. He's six foot tall. He's He said on a radio interview yesterday that I listened to, it was on the Dan Patrick Show, that he's just over 200 pounds. He's six foot 204. Not a runner. He doesn't run. At that size, he really can't anyway. He's got physical limitations. His deep ball has kind of lost some of its strength as well. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the league. But in between the ears, his head is on a different level. And it varies by position, but the quarterback position in the NFL, to to take Lee's question a little bit further, is all about where your mind is. Because who is more talented, just pure talent, Rippy, Jameis Winston or Drew Brees? Talent. Just talent. Um, I would say Jameis. That's just me. But we can use other examples, too, if you're not comfortable with that. I don't know, man. Breeze is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in history. But Jameis has a stronger arm. He's a better athlete. He's a bigger guy. Either way, Jameis will not even sniff anything close to what Drew Breeze's career is. And it's exclusively because of what's going on between the years. But for me, confidence is what comes from skill. You know, I don't think Steph Curry is a confident shooter because he's just confident. He's he just he knows he has the skill to put the ball in the bucket. And with with Breeze, you know, when first off, talent talent can be more than one thing. The ability to throw accurately is a talent. So if you're asking me who the more talented quarterback is, I'm going to say Breeze. Just because Winston has a bigger arm and is a bigger guy, you know that's that's all well and good. But if you don't have the talent to be able to throw accurately, what good are you as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, that may not have been the best example. Then what would be a better example? The point still stands, though. Um, That position is mostly dictated on where your head is. Can, Can you process information quickly? Can you read defenses? Can you take care of your body and yourself? Yeah. But the, again, I would say the ability to read defenses, again, that's a talent. The, the, you know, those are things that you, know, so you either have it or you don't, you know. And and you can get better at it through training, no, no doubt about it. You know, a high school quarterback, you know, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence reads defenses really well. But he probably re- will read them better in three or four years when he's in the NFL. It's because of the amount of training that you'll get. But that's still a talent to me. And that's what gives you confidence. And Drew Brees is confident because he knows he has the ability to throw the ball accurately. 
That's a great one. Thank you from the 662. Cam Newton. Cam, Cam Newton, Newton coming out of college. As far as just pure talent is unmatched. There, there's nobody yeah. that had more talent than him coming out of college, but there's just something just missing between the years, and, and he will never be an elite NFL quarterback. It has nothing to do with talent or anything else. It's just his head is not on the same level as Brady or Breeze or Philip Rivers with his 100 kids. It, it's just... <laughs> but with Newton, it's also an accuracy thing, and he plays in a manner in which it makes it harder to stay healthy and stay on the field. True. He looks healthy now, by the way. They keep showing practices in camp. I I still think the Saints will win the division. But I, I, even with the abysmal performance last night, I think the Falcons will be a lot better. Their offensive line has five former first-rounders on it. They were really banged up in the secondary last year, so you didn't really get to see a full-strength team. I think the Falcons will be better. But if the Panthers are able to protect Cam Newton now that he's fully healthy... Going to Charlotte and winning is not going to be an easy thing in 2019 for the Saints anyway. They'll still win because it's the Saints. I'm, I'm, I'm blind homerism on that one, though. We have a pretty decent division with the exception of Tampa. Real quick, though, I just want to point something out about that sandwich thing because it's been bothering me this whole segment. My number one sandwich isn't even on the list. That's upsetting. I thought I had I knew food. The Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, there's how's no that, How's that out on the list? So it's a top fifteen is what they gave us. It's not in the top fifteen sandwiches? The Philly cheesesteak? Philly cheesesteak is not in the top fifteen. Come on. It's it's behind egg salad. That's what you're gonna try to sell me on here with this list? <laughs> there that people would rather have an egg salad sandwich than a Philly cheesesteak? That's insanity. There's also tuna in there as well. There are people who eat tuna. I've seen, I have never seen anybody in my life order an egg salad sandwich. This just sounds like when you say it, it sounds bad. Yeah. Po' boys also, but I'm a little biased there as well. But a po' boy can be anything. Like That's just the bread. Like... Anything can be a po' boy. You can have a ham po' boy, a roast beef po' boy, a shrimp po' boy. So it's, it's, it's just anything. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. You can text the show again, 601-879-4395. We'll keep talking some football as we go along this afternoon. I do have a, a story I want to share with you about this guy that threw 96 in a pitching machine at a Rockies game as a fan. And because of that, and because it went viral, he just signed a minor league contract. Is it a cool story, or I may have a hot take on that one? We'll give you all the details next. Get Brian and Brian's opinion on that and yours as well, if you want to be a part of the show this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. So a guy named Nathan Patterson... Went to a Rockies game last month and decided he wanted to step into the cage. It was literally a cage with a radar gun. And it was set up in the concourse of Coors Field. Maybe Richard did the same thing. Maybe he's getting a contract as well. With a bit of a crow hop, and that's what it was. That's the thing. He hit 96, but he didn't pitch it. He, he ran into it. 
but he did hit 96. His brother, Christian, filmed him throwing 96 in the cage, and it went viral on Twitter. Fast forward two weeks later, and the Oakland A's have offered him a minor league deal, and he signed that deal this week. Hasn't pitched in six years since he was in high school. He's been involved with an app called Flatground, which, because there's an app for literally everything you can think of now, it's an app to help pitchers that fell through the cracks get exposure and maybe sign some minor league baseball contracts. He was on that app, wasn't really getting anywhere, video goes viral, boom, he's got a contract with the Oakland A's not having pitched in college or in six years competitively. The Ringer did a story on this app a while back, and I kind of forget the details of it, but it's kind of a fascinating concept. So, on one hand, it's a cool story, right? This guy, at a baseball game, throws 96 in the cage, and now he's in the minors. But Teddy Cahill, who's a friend of the show, tweeted, so tell me what's different. For those of you that thought Tim Tebow didn't deserve a spot because it was a publicity stunt, what do you think about this? And that's a good question. And I don't like this either. It's taking a spot away from somebody that's probably more deserving in order to get some clicks and some people talking about you and maybe some more fans will show up to a minor league game in which this kid that hasn't pitched in six years that throws in the scouting video on that app, by the way, he throws 92 and it's not overwhelming stuff because he can't take a crow hop at it. He can't throw 96. It just feels to me the same way that Tebow felt. And because I have a very close friend, my best friend, who went through the minor league system, and uh, it's a hard life, and you don't get paid any money, and you're just grinding and trying to make major leagues, and players that were drafted in certain positions get precedent over you. Players from other countries at times get spots over you, and so that Tebow story, my reaction, you may remember if you've listened to the show long enough, I didn't like it because there's a guy that deserves an opportunity that actually can be a major league baseball player that that has a roster spot taken from them because of a gimmick. By the way, Tim Tebow hits just over 100 right now in minor league baseball. He never belonged there. He should have never been there, but it, he was only there because it was a publicity stunt. This feels the same way to me. I'm probably overanalyzing it, Rippy, but I don't like the concept of taking opportunities away from people that need it, that deserve it, in order to get some butts in seats at a minor league park somewhere for a few weeks. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess I don't necessarily mind it as much, just because he's shown a dis, like a skill that most you know ninety nine percent of the world doesn't have, and that's to throw a baseball at ninety plus miles an hour. So why not take a flyer on it? Is I guess in theory, is he taking a spot from someone else? But I mean, they sign guys for nickels all the time that may or may not. I mean, yes, they probably played baseball for longer and more recently, but they really have any better shot at making it than this guy? I don't really know. I mean, I, I get the Tebow thing, but Tebow also hit two seventy three over an entire season in Double A baseball. Like, that's and not. And then what happened? 
Well, sure, he hasn't hit as well this year, but like, I mean, that's that's three years of hitting what two thirty ish in the minor leagues. Like, that's not great, but I mean, at least like he's not getting run off the field. And so letting I I don't necessarily mind him trying. Like it'd be one thing if he were like one for a hundred and really just looked completely lost in a batter's box. Okay, then yeah, full on publicity stunt. It probably still is part of a publicity stunt. I don't necessarily mind it just because I, I just the guy that would be taking that spot. Does that guy really have a chance of making it up to the show? Probably not. Yeah, maybe not. That's uh, that's well said. Chris and Laurel says, what about Jimmy Morris? I think the difference with him, though, is he was a good pitcher before he got hurt and left the game. This is a guy that only pitched in high school, and now he's getting a contract. It's a very unique situation. I wonder if he ever actually pitches. Like, I wonder what actually happens next. Like, they they throw him in a couple of sim games in Arizona. Do they let him go play rookie ball? Like, I wonder what actually happens and how long it lasts. From the 601, baseball is a business in the end. you got to do what attracts fans and money. And, and yeah, that's that's the perfect counter to what I said. I just uh, I think of it through the eyes of, of my – he was the best man in my wedding, my best friend who um, had potential opportunities maybe taken from him because teams sunk more money into somebody from the Dominican. And that's just how it happened. And he probably wasn't going to make the majors anyway, but – I still look at it through his eyes. But yes, your point stands. You got to make money. The people whose spot they're taking probably aren't major leaguers anyway. So, does the, it justifiably bothering former minor leaguers is certainly fair, though. Like, I get where they're coming from. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. And you, I believe. One hour left in the week at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky here. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you as well. We talked earlier about the dueling comments between Jalen Jones of Ole Miss and a Memphis player just friendly jabbing, uh, getting ready for that game upcoming. The media are really trying to make this uh, a bigger story than it is, maybe. The Commercial Appeal, the, the newspaper in Memphis, ran a story uh, about former Memphis players that responded to Jalen Jones saying that Memphis um, is like their little brother. One of the the two tweets that they included in this news story was uh, one of the players calling Jalen Jones cucumber nose, referencing the size of his nose. That was ran in a newspaper today. Or at least on a newspaper's website, anyway. Yeah, very Augustish type of topic. I mean, I, I'm not far removed from journalism school, but I have a feeling certain professors of mine would have not let that slide. But that's just uh, that's just me. Does he have a big nose? I'm not gonna. Not gonna tell me. Not, I'm not, I I, look it it's, it's not up to me to determine it or. or point that out of a of a kid but anyway i don't know rippy you're you're the uh, the journalist of the two of us is that inappropriate i mean if you're taking someone else's words i guess not i guess it's just kind of out there i mean it's again this whole thing is just kind of strange it's really not much of anything at all but i guess trying to be made into something I, i i don't know 
Either way, it's uh, it's friendly, it's fun. Football needs more of it. We get a text from the 662, by the way. It says, Rippy sounds like Jonah Hill. I haven't looked up his picture on the internet because I enjoy picturing Jonah Hill when he talks. Good show today, guys. <laughs> I keep picturing because guy. Jonah Hill is probably more, I, uh, Jonah Hill is definitely more successful, but uh, I, 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 I'm, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. No, I do not look like Jonah Hill. But if anybody's good at Photoshop and can morph that for me, I will want to see it. Yeah, same. I'll you put it as my Twitter header. You couldn't look further from Jonah Hill. He looks more like McLovin. Ooh. Doesn't mean, yeah. You get to take that? Yeah, I, 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 that's not even an insult. It's it makes just more the, sense. He looks Jonah more like Hill. McLovin than Jonah Hill. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. So th- this was a story that ran in CBS today, and I love this kind of stuff. And I want you guys to participate with us today. 601-879-4395. Text us what you think, and I'll pose the question to the two Bryans. But I want your responses as well. When you think of the most iconic symbols, not logos, but the most iconic symbols in all of college football, what comes up? What comes in your mind? Iconic symbol in college football. The Golden Dome is the first thing I think of. And that still gets them top 25 votes. Yeah, Golden Dome and Touchdown Jesus are the two things popping in my head. Um Houndstooth and then the blue and white NCAA logo. Really? That's 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 your number two. That's that's where we're going. Yep. Not, not everything has to be a be about the NCAA. God. Um, Houndstooth is a good one though. Um, Houndstooth is good. Um, the tomahawk chop is that would that count? Because I always I think so. I mean, Florida I guess they State do it at the than, Braves too. I, I always, I mean, they, but they got, they started doing it because they had Deion Sanders, who played at Florida State. Although, I mean, it fits for the Braves, but they started doing it because of Deion Sanders. Is that really? Is that true? Yeah. How about that? They didn't do the tomahawk chop back in the '80s. Of course, they were losing 100 games back then, so they didn't have much to cheer about anyway, other than Dale Murphy. Um, Jerry and Tupelo, the uh, War Eagle flying over the field at Auburn. Man, good. that is so cool. That is very cool. You seen it live? I've seen it live. It's awesome. Just one of those things that there's no other sport where you get that. Like, I mean, people talk about the craziness of like international soccer, but those are people that just have big flags. Like they sing songs, and that's cool. Like the "We'll Never" or "You'll Never Walk Alone" thing is cool. But soccer hooligans, there's no pageantry to being out of your mind and and like holding smoke flares and stuff and waving big flags. Like, that's not pageantry. That's just, you're a nut. The the eagle flying around the stadium and everybody in unison, whoa. It's cool. It's cool. That, that is, like, chills up your spine. I don't care if you hate Auburn. You don't get that in American sports anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, at Ohio State, dotting the I. Seen that in person as well. I haven't seen that. That's really cool. That's incredible. Um, I guess I would be remiss if we're going to bring it, you know, Sports Talk Mississippi. I would be remiss not to say the cowbell, wouldn't I? You kind of have to do it. I got to have to do it. Um, the uh, if you see, One of the things I always think about with college football is the Oklahoma-Texas game and the way the stadium is half orange and half red. 
or have crimson. I guess or you I see say. the dividing line you, where in you the stadium. See, and it used to be that way for the Egg Bowl when it was in Memorial, Memorial Stadium. Half the stadium was red and blue, and the other half was maroon and white. Flasks. <laughs> what game was that I sent you the video where that guy was down in whiskey at 11 a.m. on a hot Saturday afternoon? I forget which game that was. Pick a Saturday, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But this guy got caught on camera, though. Still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was the Ole Miss-Texas game in Oxford. And um, they, they did the kiss cam. They put it in the student section. And this guy leans in. I don't know if she was his date or just a girl standing next to him. But this guy leans in. And she just she puts her hand up. She wasn't mean, but she just, no, no, I'm not kissing you. And he just kind of looked around. This is on the Jumbotron. He just looks around. Reaches into his coat pocket, pulls out a flask, and turns it straight up in the air. They could not have cut away from him fast enough. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen in a football game. There's one. There's one great. There's a video out there. Uh, I think it's Washington State with Fireball, just chugging it out of the bottle in the Palouse. Oof. Chief, is it Osceola? Chief Osceola. That's a good one. Yeah. Mike and the Renegade? Tiger. The actual. The actual Tiger. Get a vote it's for cool. Bevo and also the Grove. The Heisman yeah. Trophy stance, yeah, uh, in this story from CBS that inspired the question, uh, he he specifically mentioned Desmond Howard's Heisman yeah, that's, stance. that's the one. Yeah, that's 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 the the first one. So, yeah. What about, um, I'm trying to think. The, uh, was it, the, were, were the Aggies all sway? What's it called? Oh, um. Or saw varsity's horns. Yeah, that's what they sing. What do they call it though? I don't know. They just they're just they're just swaying. And the milkmen. Those are those are those are iconic. Call it a lot of things. Um <laughs> the Rose Bowl. The yeah, Rose Bowl the, the Rose is the Rose Bowl the only iconic stadium? I mean the big house is cool, Notre Dame Stadium, you know, Tiger Stadium, but like is the Rose Bowl the only stadium where you're just like, oh okay, yeah. That's because it's 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 an old stadium, but people still love it. And they're not looking to expand it or you know modernize and it. And everybody seems. thinks they uh, they have to go. Like I, yeah, it, you can do without. Uh, if you never go to a game at the big house, you'll be fine. It, it, whatever. But if you're a college football fan, everybody wants to go to the Rose Bowl. Not everybody wants to go to Tiger Stadium. Not everybody wants to go to Ann Arbor. Everybody wants to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Neyland Stadium full. Eh. If I think when I think of uh, Tennessee, the, the iconic thing is the Vol Navy, the guys out there tailgating on the river. Yeah, that's something I want to do pa- one day. And the Power T that they come out, the band does. That's cool. Army Navy, the uh, I forget what they call it, but when the the cadets and the midshipmen uh, do their procession, they they march into yeah, the stadium, that's and awesome. Get in formation. That's, a, that's another awesome. one of those things that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, yeah, just. College football is where you get something like that. Uh, set like what's there's a couple traditions that involve setting wild animals loose amongst the stadium as like the mascot. Like don't the doesn't Colorado have some kind of like yeah, bull or buffalo. something they let run pretty wild for a second as like some buffalo. kind of tradition? Buffalo, yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, the sooner schooner. What do they call those uh, those hog traps? The circular ones. I know what you're talking about. I've seen the video. I don't know what they're... I think they're just called hog traps. Arkansas should do that. They should set up a bunch of corn at the 50 and just release a bunch of hogs and then trap them before the game. 
That seems like something you should do if you're playing Arkansas. Like, we got you. You're, you're in our house now. Did we do the Auburn thing where the gigantic bird comes and pounces yeah, on yeah. whatever that thing is? Yeah. It's an eagle. It's a war it eagle. eagle. You ever seen the video of where it, it runs? It, it survived. It was okay. It completed where it the, the task where it hits the window. Yeah. Didn't stop, didn't stop people from doing the war. You heard a... <gasps> and then they went back to it when the bird kept flying. Pretty good stuff. Keep your text coming in. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A lot of texts coming in. 601-879-4395 if you want to do the same on the ceasefire text line. At Sports Talk Mississippi, I'm Michael Borky. we got Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey with you as well. Just threw the question out. What are your favorite, most iconic symbols, images in college football? From the 662, we get Inner Sandman at Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's up there among the best entrances, that's for sure. Steven Turner says, uh, wrap it in maroon and white from uh, the late Jack Crystal. Yeah. Scott and Clinton's a big fan of the uh, um, play like a champion today at Notre Dame. It's a good one. Notre Dame has a bunch. Yeah, they do. Not a whole lot of championships in modern history, though. But, hey, uh, congrats on your uh, cool sign there, Notre Dame. David in Indianola mentions the bands, marching bands. Absolutely. A good marching band can take a good college football game and make it great. And it's so funny, right? Because, I mean, when do you ever listen to marching bands not in related to college football? Never. Right. High school football, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not music that any of us care to listen to other than when you're inside of the stadium or in the tailgate area, but when you're at a college football game, that's when you want to hear marching bands. Of all places, that's where it seems to fit so perfectly. It doesn't make sense. But I guess it doesn't really have to. The uh, Blue Turf at Boise State gets a vote. Two votes, actually. That's a good choice. Good choice. Jeremy and Jackson, talking about live mascot, says... Release Ed Orgeron. Just let him run around. <laughs> Alongside the tiger that they have in the vicinity of the stadium. Did, did you see the, the video of him talking that's going around? Yeah, give Pretty me a second. Ever. I can play that. I, I'll Venmo anybody 10 bucks that can translate what he said for me. Just give me one second here. I've... Uh... You got it ready? You knew I, this was going to come up at some point. I will get it ready, that's for sure. Um, have you heard this, Rippy? I have. Don't know what oh, he said. No clue. I thought I heard Brent Schaefer, maybe. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, that's not funny. It is funny, though. Uh, one of you send me the link to that, and I'll play it. I can't find it. All right. We get uh, the jump around. Uh, from the Wisconsin student section. And just do it on Twitter if you don't mind. Um, that's a great thing, too. Between the third and fourth quarters at Wisconsin, the entire student section. I don't think you could get this kind of participation in the SEC. Not the jumping. Maybe like, you know, waving the pom-poms. But uh, 
between the third and fourth quarter, they play jump around in every student. Their student section's massive, too. All jumping in unison. And apparently, I've never been to a game there, but I know somebody who has. And apparently, you feel that. Like, in yeah. your seat, the stadium, it's like an earthquake. That's what it feels like because they're all jumping in unison. I'm trying to think of some more of these. Let's see here. The bands at the Bayou Classic, that's the best. Oh, that's the good one, the wave at, uh, at Iowa, where they wave to the kids. That's a newer tradition, obviously, but it's also very, very cool. All right, this was Ed Orgeron at uh, the Baton Rouge Rotary Club this week. Right, I'm glad you didn't have that Ralph on Salafusha when never got past number one. Ten dollars, American. Just send me the translation and your Venmo name. I'll get it to you. Here that is again. Right, I'm glad you didn't have that Ralph on Salafusha when never got past number one. I never got past number one. Never got past number one. I got that. The rest of that is completely unintelligible. I can't decide if everybody in the room actually understood him or they just laughed because they think he was trying to be funny. I'm going to bet there's a faction that did and the faction that did not. It's a little both, yeah. I agree. Ed Orgeron versus Hooked on Phonics. The great battle. One more, just for fun. I'm glad you didn't have that Ralph on Salafusha when never got past number one. No idea. I'm not even. I can't even get a word. It sounds like some kind of small town name, and then number one. Yeah, there's something in there, maybe. All right, here, here we go. One more time. Right, I'm glad you didn't have that Ralph on Salafusha when never got past number one. <laughs> Every time. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here Quinn might have to get ten bucks. He's saying we didn't have a gla- he's glad he didn't have a ref from South LaForche. Okay. Is that what was said? Uh, in that, that? That, wait. Play it one more time. Right, I'm glad you didn't have that ref from South LaForche who never got past number one. Alright, that's what Hey. How about that? But, I still don't hear that. This is like is the dress black or gold type of thing. I still don't I didn't hear that. I don't I'm hear it. Have that Ralph on Salafusha when never got past number one. So what about the ref and he that's where he went to high school evidently. I, okay. I still don't get it. Alan uh, Boyle says, "Yep, that's the ref one." Um That Chris and Holly Springs, look, my friend, we're, we're glad you're listening, but you think that the Bo Wallace fumble in the Egg Bowl is one of the most iconic images in all of college football? I, I guarantee you that no one outside of the state of Mississippi has any idea what that is. Yeah, I, yeah that's, not, that's, that's not true. From the 662. I can't, I can't, I can't have your back on that one, Chris. From the 662, talking about Farmer Fran from the Waterboy. That really is what it's what he sounds like. It's like they modeled that character after him, even though nobody knew who Ed Orgeron was at that time. That's good stuff. From 601, greatest symbols in college sports, the EA Sports. It's in the game. May that rest in peace. Yeah. Richard and Wiggins wonders when the real host are coming back. 
then oh. says, and I realized y'all are them with a crying cartoon rabbit gif. Did you uh did you see that, that there's a version or there's something of EA College Football on the new Madden? Yeah, how do they skirt that? I think what they've done, and I, I could be wrong because I don't know for sure, but that the, there there is no like I mean, like let's say for uh, what, what number does Tua wear? He's thirteen, right? I think that's right. So for Alabama, it's not QB thirteen; it's QB one or whatever. It's it's they they, they don't they, and he's not you know five eleven six foot and looks like a Hawaiian guy. They just they completely you know okay scrubbed it. Fair uh, enough. John in Greenwood says Orgeron rode into the vault on a Harley for his first game. In hindsight, how dangerous was that? You mean hiring him in the first place? <laughs> I forgot about the Harley thing. That's very, very... Uh, what a microcosm of that entire tenure, if you can call it that. That or the first team meeting where he challenged everyone to a fight. And I think he ripped his shirt off. That's what That's what the song tells us anyway. Bulldog Barney says every state fan in center field. No, his favorite college football thing is every state fan ever screaming, go to hell, Ole Miss. You're just going to say that out loud? My God, Rippy. Porky. Whoever. On brand. Yeah. Yeah, the ref one, Alan Boyle. That's uh, I guess that's what we're going to go with. I, I hardly hear it. I guess I hear the ref but man that entire room just getting that right away and and laughing about it that's really impressive sometimes you laugh when you're confused that's true when you when you when you don't hear you don't know what you're hearing you just, ah, you just nervously laugh and try to you hope they were making a joke so this apparently is word for word from the 601 i'm glad we didn't have that ref ref from south lafusha or we wouldn't have gotten past number one that's what that. I, I'll go and say something. I knew that Quinn was going to be able to do this for us. Wait, another interpretation says I'm glad y'all didn't have that raffle, or it wouldn't have gotten past number one. Play it again, quickly. I don't have it pulled up. Oh. the the funniest thing, and that might be a segment idea this year if this keeps up. Closed captioning, trying to interpret Ed Orgeron and the stuff that it comes up with on TV if you're watching a press conference and you, and you put it on subtitles. Com- I mean, it's comedy. It could be an F- SNL skit. It's perfect. I'll start doing that this year and screenshot them and we'll read them on the show for you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Just about a half hour with you left on this Friday afternoon. Talking a little bit more football with you next in the Renaissance Bank studio. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.